Hello and welcome to the Hooligan Report this week, uh, after a two-week absence where not much happened last weekend that we need to discuss. Um, I'm your host as always, SM, and, and with me tonight I have Cookson along. Welcome all. It's a two-man defence this game. Absolutely, and we'll give it our best shot, shall we? Uh, we're just going to do some reviews this week because we have the international break, and we'll do a set of previews next week, so we'll cover all the games this week. Uh, and I thought we might start with uh, Newcastle's game against Swansea, which was on Saturday night. Um, Cookson, I don't know if you saw the highlights of this one, but impressive by Newcastle to get another draw, and I think they're starting to get a little bit of momentum now under, under Pardew, and maybe they've turned a corner. Mm, I potentially have, I mean... They're not as bad as they have been before, but you'd hope, hopefully, for Newcastle fans that they can build on results, lead to bigger and better things, get some wins on the board. One step try and, the, sorry. I'll just try and establish mid-tableness. Yeah, well, one set that I saw that was quite interesting that um, NUFC pointed out to us was that Cissé is actually leading the league in terms of minutes per goal because he's scoring a goal at a rate of one every 37 minutes, um, which is, to be fair, equal with Lampard. But uh, it's a pretty impressive stat for him when he's, he's not been the most prolific of strikers in recent times. Well, probably helps. He's probably been played. I think he's spent some time out on the wing, which is just bad for any striker. But now he is... Again, he needs to get form. He's probably a key player for Newcastle, and you can probably tell that. Just, yeah, need to get him goals. Well, the interesting thing I'm finding with Newcastle is, I mean, they had they actually seemed to make a few decent signings over the summer with Cabela and Riviere and uh, De Jong, who's obviously injured now. Um, but they just don't seem to have clicked so far. I, I think I saw Cabela look pretty impressive against Man City in their opening game, but... Um, Oh, they, they just don't seem to have come together as well as you might have hoped as a, as a Newcastle supporter, perhaps. Yep, probably. Well, probably it's your classic Tottenham Hotspur, Tottenham problem. I mean, you buy players and getting him jailed is probably a hell of a lot harder than actually... Because well, they bought quite a lot of players and, again, having a large amount of players in at once makes it damn near hard to gel in. I mean, I've seen it with Manchester United, with sort of Tottenham, seen it with Liverpool. I mean, yeah. Yeah, it can be tough, but... um. Speaking of transfers, one of the transfers of the season surely has to be Gilfie Sigurdsson going to Swansea because he continued his fine form against Newcastle with another two assists, um, which I, I, don't, I can't actually remember how many assists he's got for the season now, but it'd be on Cesc Fabregas levels, I, I would be certain of. Um, how have you seen Sigurdsson's move to Swansea? It's been pretty impressive. Yeah, it's probably going back down to his level in terms of... Well, he probably was... Just a mid-table player probably went too high in Tottenham, and he did get replaced with Christian Eriksen and Lamela. So, I mean, he's probably back at his level. He's back in the system that is good for him, so he can be in just the system and in with the team. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think Swansea are looking pretty impressive, uh, kind of out of nowhere. Um, the next game I thought we'd review is Leicester's game against Burnley, uh, which is. A little bit interesting because obviously Burnley had failed to score a goal since the opening day of the season against Chelsea, um, but managed to get, uh, I think it was the 94th minute even, an absolute stunner of a free kick to, to snatch a point against Leicester, who obviously have been in some pretty decent form lately. So it's a pretty good result for Burnley. Yep, I mean, the drought's finally over for them. They've had to experience the joy of a goal again, and again, they probably do need to start scoring in quick. I mean, what was it? Like five games without a goal, something like that. Something like that, yeah. I think it was 570 minutes or something even crazy like that. 
So yeah, it's probably just again, it's good for them. They can start hopefully to build on this draw, try and go step by step and see where they can get up the table. I mean, Leicester were pretty solid, but again, I didn't see probably much of this game to be honest. Yeah, I mean, I, I've only caught the highlights myself. Um, Leicester looked a little bit suspect in defence for Burnley's first goal, uh, though they did look impressive because I believe they scored a minute after Burnley scored. So it continues a bit of a habit of Leicester of scoring pretty quick goals after conceding, which is obviously quite a good habit to get into. I mean, you know, you don't drop your heads, you get right back into the game. Um, so it's good to see from their point of view. Um, so it was, it was a bit of an interesting one. I suppose it was the first of the... You know, battles of the teams that have been promoted, so it was quite interesting to see that it ended in a draw. Um, the next game I thought we'd cover was Liverpool against West Brom, which proved it could, it could have been a bit of a banana skin for Liverpool. I mean, they haven't done too well against West Brom of late. They dropped Balotelli to the bench, but they managed to grind out the win. Yeah, it's, again, it's probably good for Liverpool to start winning because they've looked defensively quite shocking. I mean, and there's I do feel there is probably is an over-reliance on a few players in their team, such as Sterling and Henderson. Yeah. And, of course, uh, Sturridge as well. But, yeah, they really do need to work on their defence. I mean, because they're facing Real Madrid next, and with the former Ronaldo's, in, you'd back him to score a hat-trick, wouldn't you? Yeah, well, pretty much uh, the way they're looking. I mean, um, I mean, uh, yeah... It was tough on West Brom in some sense because Berahino could have buried a couple of chances that he had. Um, though I think Liverpool, I think Henderson scoring the goal after Sterling was pushed over was quite lucky because they really deserved a penalty out of that and I was quite surprised it wasn't given in the end. But um, yeah, their defence is looking quite shaky still and it's something that we highlighted earlier in the season as well. Um, they just don't seem to have settled on a decent defensive pairing. Um, and did, did Lambert start the game, I, th- I believe? Or... I think he had a different game. Uh, I think he did. I mean, they did have... Yeah, they probably had a midweek fixture, so he probably started one of them. Um, I think so interesting, because he, he's looked very um, average. I mean, I think we all suspected it when they bought him that he wasn't going to prove to be too um, too impressive, but uh, you'd have hoped for a little bit with a better return from him. Yeah, it's probably... He's just he's a squad player, really. You expect him to play maybe 10 games this season, and if he can score, like, three goals, that would just be probably... Well, probably the return on what they expect, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, West Brom had two wins in a row, but they've, they've lost this one. Um, they're, they're looking okay. I mean, obviously, appointing Alan Irvine, everyone kind of thought that they'd be almost relegation certainties, um, weren't showing too much ambition. But they're sort of getting themselves getting themselves together. They scored four against Burnley last week, managed just to score again against Liverpool. Barahino's looking a decent prospect. So I, I actually reckon he's one who'll probably move on at the end of the season to a bigger club. He's you know, a decent young English prospect. You could so he's going to Arsenal? Yeah, it's good to see him going to Arsenal, or maybe like an Everton or something like that. Depends, you know, depends who rates him. But he's, uh, I think he scored five for the season already, something like that. Four or five yep. for the season. He's um, on five, second on the table. Yeah, so so pretty good for him. And a team like West Brom, who aren't scoring a whole lot of goals, I think he's pretty much got pretty much got all their goals. Um, yep, well, they all count. They all count, Absolutely. Uh, next game I wanted to review was Sunderland's game against Stoke. Uh, the draw specialist Sunderland finally managed to get a win on the board in a 3-1 win, which is a surprisingly open game between these two sides. You would have maybe thought it'd be a bit more dour and defensive, but uh, it was good to see a couple of goals in this one. Did you catch any of the highlights of this? No, not really. <laughs> it was on TV when I wasn't in the room. Yeah, I don't think it's really one that you keep an eye out for. Um, 
But uh, they finally decent to get a win on the board for Sunderland. I think Poyet made the comment after the game that perspective sort of shifts when they, they had, I think, five wins and a loss from their first six games, but now they've got uh, a win for their seventh game. It, it suddenly means that they've only lost once, of the, once in their first seven games, which reads pretty well for them compared yep, to um, how they were last season. Yep, we're losing and having a a great escape. Yeah. I actually think it's a year ago today that Poyet got uh, appointed. I think I saw it um, Premier League post, so bit of a difference a year can make for them. They're, they're looking a lot more impressive this season, I must say. They've kind of broken that cycle. I think they kind of, for a few seasons, had, had that cycle where they'd appoint a new manager and then start the next season pretty poorly and, and sack the manager and appoint another one and just kept going on that sort of direction. Uh, so it's good to see them sort of pushing up into mid-table. Yep, just trying to get there. I mean, I mean, it's pretty much step-by-step, step really, to get up to the mid-table. Just got to get out of relegation and get up to, like, 14th, then eventually, hopefully, they're probably aiming for 10th place, to be honest, with the logjammer teams in there. Yeah, there are quite a few teams in there, and, and one of the other sides in there was my side, who um, played Crystal Palace in the other, in the last of the midnight games. Uh, decent 2-0 win in the end, uh, which is good to see, because uh, there's been a few defensive frailties for Hull in recent weeks, conceding late goals and choking on leads, so it was good to see a very clinical performance rounding out a 2-0 win. Uh, and Diarmi continued some absolutely spectacular form in scoring in three of his first four games with the club. I don't think you can ask much more from a recruit. Um, but a bit disappointing for Palace. I think it was their first loss under Warnock. Well, we probably did expect uh, Palace to lose under Warnock. It took a while, though, but, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, they lasted a bit longer than expected, but I was surprised that their only previous loss for the season was against Arsenal, so um, everyone was sort of predicting them to drop off a cliff with Pulis leaving, but uh, it was good to see them sort of um, prove the doubters wrong and then get a few wins wins and draws on the board and... um, get towards that mid-table that they've kind of come to call their own after the last 12 months. Yep. Um, I mean, yeah. I was probably Palace. Again, they're probably hoping to consolidate again, mid-table again. They're probably having a bit shaky in defence. I mean, really, they've conceded 12 goals already. and But they are scoring goals, which is probably helpful. Yeah, I think Yednek's in some decent form for them. I think he scored a couple, so... Um, from an Aussie perspective, it's pretty good to see. Uh, and we continue our run, I think, in our last five games now. We've scored two goals each game, so uh, it's good to see that we're getting the goals on the board and, and the clean sheets. And Jelovic is another one who scored another goal, and that's four for the season for him now. I think it's already equaled his whole tally for last season. So uh, it's good to see a couple of players in, in some decent form. And we've got, we've got Arsenal up next, which we'll talk about next week. But... Uh, Rubbing my hands together for a, a nice little stash with Cruyff, and hopefully, hopefully, get him on the show next week so we can have a bit of a chat about that one. Yep. Uh, but the last game for Saturday to talk about was Aston Villa against Man City, and this is another one where Aston Villa have proved City a few problems in the past, and you maybe could have seen some sort of result for Villa, but it took until I think the 83rd minute for City to break through. But then you saw goals from Toure and Aguero that pretty quickly finished Villa off. Um, I think it was Toure's first goal for the season as well. Yeah, it's, well, it's probably a really tight game. I mean, Villa, they did what they're hoping to do when they faced the big team, which is just defend like Al and hopefully get through. But there probably are some issues for Villa. I mean, what they've, well, how many goals do you reckon they've scored this season? Oh, well, look, I know they scored two against us. I'll, I'll say they scored, what, five? 
Four. Yeah, jeez. Jeez, so they scored half-pack goals against us. That's yeah, eagle with right. Queen's Park Rangers. For the least, yeah. Yes. No, Burnley has left. Oh, sorry, of course. Castle. Yeah, of course, Burnley. Uh, that's, it's a bit concerning for them. I mean, obviously, at least they're, they're speaking um, decent defence, because I think they've got a couple of clean sheets for the season. But, um, yeah, that's why, I mean, as I, as I mentioned about Hull, it's, it's actually... As much as you want to have a good defence and, you know, wins are built on having a good defence and keeping clean sheets, if you're not scoring regularly, uh, it can be quite concerning because it's hard to turn those draws into wins. Um, yeah, they are probably still missing Benteke. He's due back in a couple of weeks, I thought. Maybe November. So <laughs> yeah. um, hopefully they can hold out until he gets back. Yeah, they probably are missing their two key players as such of Benteke and Vara. I mean, they're... Well, they're probably the two big cornerstones behind that side in terms of defending well and then there's hacking. Yeah, uh, when's Vlad you back? So, sorry, Vlad. Oh, right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and I think they're in the middle of a pretty tough run at the moment in terms of games because they had Arsenal last week, uh, City this week, and I think they've got United coming up soon as well. Or they've already, have they already played you guys? Uh, no, they have no. not. So I think that, oh, they've had Chelsea as well, haven't they? So they've had a bit of a tough run at the moment. Um, but if they can pull out the other side in a still respectable league position, um, they look like they're set to sort of avoid that relegation battle. But uh, who knows? You it's never know. Days. Yeah, still yep. early days. Um, two side, well, one side that's certainly looking like they're pretty close to the relegation zone is um, Everton, who went down to your mob uh, in the early game Sunday night. Leighton Vane's missing his first penalty in something like, is it 14 attempts or something yep, like that? Yep, 14 attempts. So well, there you go, look at that, I knew it off the top of my head. Um, How do you see this one? Well, again, David De Gea was probably the key player. Oh, he, yeah, he made some cracking saves. I mean, that's, well, what you expect from a first-choice goalkeeper and a world-class one as such. I mean, they're, what, worth 15 points a season, or Bergie says something like that. But, yeah, it was probably, it's also good to see... Angel Di Maria continue on his form. He and Falcao are striking up a pretty decent partnership. It's quite similar to Fabregas and Costa at Chelsea. Yeah, just think about Falcao is that well, he got the first goal, which is good. I mean, but what's really impressing me is, well, I thought he had a bad game as such, as he was panicky in front of goal, but when I watched the replay, it's just his movement was just that good and great. He just gets into the right positions for it, but... I probably still do think that Van Persie should be dropped. I saw some stat uh, literally just before the podcast that um, his goals per season... Oh, here we are. I've got it right in front of me. His um, his league goal- goals excluding penalties has dropped um, per 90 minutes from uh, 0.82 goals per 90 minutes in 2010-11 with Arsenal down to 0.57 with United in 2013-14 to 0.36 this season. And it's just gone down each season from 10-11 to 11-12 to 12-13 and so on. Um, so as you say, maybe he needs to drop to the bench because he's looking pretty concerning by those numbers. Yeah, it's... Again, it's probably looking still a touch low. I mean, his build-up play is good. He's just... Again, he's looking slow... And he's just probably lacking the greatness that he once had. Again, happens with old age. And when you've but got again, the attacking options that you guys have, you do have that liberty to, to drop him to the bench to rest him or, or you know, give him a wake-up call or whatever he needs to switch get his head together. Switch to a 4-3-3, which I'm hoping for. Well, that would be interesting. I mean, where would, would you play Matter, what, in the centre of the park? No, I'd, well, pretty much it would be what it would be. Well, you kind of a, it's odds formation, but pretty much be Rooney is kind of a number 10 second striker with Di Maria 
and Yamazai as wingers, hopefully behind a midfield of Blind and Herrera. With, oh, so Rooney up front with Falcao? Yeah, that's what I probably hope for with, again, probably what the whole plan is to have. Well, I, I, how I see it is that we're probably going to get a midfielder in January, have uh, Herrera as the number 10. Okay. So, yeah. Uh, the other side of the coin, obviously, is Everton, who slipped to um, 17th, and they've had a pretty lacklustre start to the season. Admittedly, they've played some pretty tough sides already. They've played Chelsea, they've played Liverpool, they've played you guys. Um, so it's been a pretty tough start for them, and I think they're going to come into a couple of easier games now. But um, it would be pretty concerning as, a, as an Everton supporter to only have one win to start the season when they have had, admittedly, they have had games against Leicester, against West Brom, um, so they, and I suppose they've also played Arsenal, um, where I think they actually were leading until late in the game from memory. So, um, how would, you, how do you reckon as, a, as an evidence supporter they would view the start of the season? I suppose balanced on expectations they would have had pre-season. Probably not that good. I mean, they probably would expect to be on what ten points by now or there thereabouts, and it's just they look good. They look pretty decent in general play. It's just Lukaku is is bang out of form. Yeah, I, mean, I think he's got what one goal for the season. Yeah, and he, he was scored against West Brom. Yeah, he was stuck in like an eighteen in Paddy McNair's pocket. Again, probably, I oh know they're probably they're still looking defensively solid as such, but again, they're probably just that's not they're probably lacking a bit of extra intensity that you'd get. And of course, with their European fixtures, I mean, they had to had to go play Wolfsburg and go to Russia and all that. That doesn't help. Yeah. Well, I think they've now lost both their matches following um, their European Europa games. Yeah. I mean, it's probably just... You reckon that they probably hope to just build into the season? I mean, get rid of the hard fixtures, which they've done, and just go on a decent run of form, play some great football and see what happens? The problem is, of course, that starting this far behind the pack is even if they do have easier games, there's a lot more pressure on the players and the crowd will be restless. If they go a goal behind or if they take a while to score there is the potential that the crowd will get on their backs or it'll get into the players' minds that there's a lot of pressure on them to win all the easy games. Um, whereas if they had a few more wins on the board already, there might not be that sort of immediate pressure on them. Um, yeah. So it will, it's interesting days for evidence, so we'll, see, we'll have to see how they go. Um, the other interesting, well, one of the interesting games from Sunday night was Spurs against Southampton with Pochettino playing his former club and uh, you could see what it meant to the Spurs players when they won this game because quite a few of them showed qu- quite a lot of pa- passion at the final whistle um, following their 1-0 against Southampton. Uh, and they almost didn't get it. I think Mane for Southampton missed an absolute sitter from about three yards out uh, and Pele had a few decent chances as well. Uh, so Spurs are another one who started the season quite slowly. I think this is only their second or maybe their third win for the season. Yeah, it's, but again, it's third win, but... Again, relative to teams around them, I mean, apart from Manchester City and Chelsea, I mean, all the other teams have probably dropped points that they shouldn't have. But again, Tottenham look pretty good. Well, they look decent in patches. I mean, they've got Ericsson, who's been in pretty great form, I would I'd say. And Shadley's been pretty outstanding for them as well. I think he got the assist for the goal, and he's contributed a couple himself as well. And I think we bagged him in the World Cup podcast. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, no, he's, he's proving to have a decent start to the season himself. And to be fair, I mean, even though they lost, Southampton are looking pretty good. I think they'd won four straight before this one or five straight before this one or something like that. And um, They're looking... They, they haven't missed a beat. I think we said it the other week, but under under their new manager, they've looked pretty good, even though they've had to bring in a couple of players. And you were saying earlier in the podcast that a couple of clubs take a while to settle when they bring in 
you know, a host of new players, but Southampton seem to have done it with ease. Probably. Well, again, it's probably just one of those times where everything just really sorts out for them, or I think they did get them in early, but I'm not too sure. I think they no. had a, I think they did have a couple in early, but some of them might have come in a bit later in the window. I think, like, for instance, Alderweireld, I think, was a deadline day. Um, yes. I'm not, I'm not sure about some of the others. Again, probably it's just... I don't know, probably just Kerman had a good philosophy and everyone followed it, and he probably picked players to fit into that philosophy. I mean, it did get... Did Kerman get Halle from Feyenoord? I think so, yeah. I mean, that probably does help knowing a player as such when you... Well, it helps them bet into the team, helps them bet into the philosophy, and yeah, I mean, Southampton probably started out pretty well, and they've probably ruined our predictions, saying, oh, they're going to struggle this year, <laughs> et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Well, I think the really good thing is with clubs like Southampton and Swansea is they seem to have been able to keep the, the footballing philosophy of the club going despite changing managers. I think both clubs seem to play a very similar style, even though they've both had three managers in their time in the Premier League. Um, I think probably Atkins was the only one who, who had a very different style for Southampton. Uh, but obviously under Pochettino and now Komen, they're playing a very solid style. I think Atkins was leaking a lot of goals for them. Um, they've really tightened up and they're looking quite a quite a strong side, which is really good to see if you're a Southampton supporter particularly. And I think I think it was really good to see Pochettino being in quite good spirit at, you know, before the game and after the game, you know, going over to the Southampton bench and shaking hands with slapping backs and being pretty cheery with the... Uh, Opposition technical staff, which was a bit different from the uh, the next game we'll talk about, in the Chelsea Arsenal game, where we had a little bit of handbags between Mourinho and Wenger. And um, did you see much of this one? Uh, what, were, what were your thoughts of the, uh, yeah, the managers? Well, I'm thinking, just I'm thinking. Well, Mourinho, Wenger has a chip on his shoulder about Mourinho, and he's never yeah. beaten Mourinho in a competitive fixture. Mourinho knows how to get under his skin. Yeah, I mean, if you're just gonna just punch him already, <laughs> Wenger. Look, I'm I was. Just, I, 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 just, I, I just have like a vendetta in this game is the fact that there was probably about three Arsenal players should have been sent off and Wenger arguably should have been sent off. So uh, <laughs> on, an, on another day, it could have been a very interesting one as a Gunners supporter. Then also Cahill could have been sent off and yeah. was another Chelsea player. I mean, it's a bit spiced, that game. Yeah, well, I, I wanted to get your thoughts on the penalty decision um, where Chris Shanley took Hazard down as he was running through in the box. Um to me, it seemed as if he was denying a, a clear goal-scoring opportunity, and and I would have thought that that's a red card every day of the week. Uh, but how did you see it? I didn't see this penalty. I mean, what probably didn't see was Kieran Gibbs was about a metre away from that, or a metre and a bit away. What I never understand is, is the rule that he has to be the last man, or is the rule denying a clear goal-scoring opportunity? It's denying a clear goal-scoring opportunity. So he, we have to assume that he would skip around because he was going on to the... That's a sort of that here. He was going on probably on into where Gibbs was, or Gibbs was nearby, which wouldn't make it exactly clear. I suppose so. Yeah, that's. But, yeah, I guess it's the only grey area. But I wouldn't really call that to be Koscielny's fault. I mean, the midfield was just non-existent in that run. Oh, yeah, he, he just he just waltzed through them. Koscielny so, yeah. basically had no choice, and he was. I said, it worked. Well, it didn't really work out for him because they conceded, but at least he stayed on the pitch and you know hold the run. Um, what about what about your thoughts on the Walcott? Uh, not Walcott. Welbeck uh, tackle at the end of the game. That that was another one that seemed quite a clear red to me. Both feet left the ground, studs up. Yeah, yeah, it's very clear red card. I mean, pretty dangerous as well. 
I mean, it's just the same, pretty similar to how, well, how Cahill went through Sanchez, which causes the handbags between Mourinho and Wegner. Yeah. So there, there were, yeah, there were a few interesting tackles in that game, and the other talking point, obviously, is Costa continuing his great goal-scoring form uh, with a nice little chip over um, um, Chesney. Uh, yes, yeah, Chesney. Fabian's gets the now. Um, but yeah, so I mean, obviously, Chelsea have a very good record against Arsenal under Mourinho. As you said, they haven't lost a single game, um, and they're now sitting pretty clear at the top of the table. Um, so you'd have to say they're pretty much favourites for the title at this stage. Yeah, I mean, they winning. they pretty much found players who they needed to buy, and they bought them, and then they sold off David Luiz as well. So. I just can't believe that they ended up making a profit in that window. Because they, they just did some fantastic business. Don't underestimate the power of idiots in football. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, the last game of the weekend was West Ham against Queen's Park Rangers. And it was a fairly predictable result in the end, to be honest. Um, a comfortable 2-0 win for West Ham. And QPR slipped further and further into danger. Uh, I, I saw on the board today that uh, Redknapp's actually overtaken Pardew in... As, as favourite for the first manager to get the sack, uh, even though I believe they offered him a new contract a couple of weeks ago. So, how do you see uh, QPR's prospects? I suppose they're not bright. I mean, that's putting it plainly and obvious and short, sharp. But yeah, they just look terrible. I mean, defensively they're very suspect. I mean, your key defender is a 35-year-old man who's. Let's be honest, I love Rio, but he's past it. I think, yeah, we've said on the board, it's when you've shown your intent when you're signing someone like Rio. Um, to be fair, they've brought in a few decent young players. They've got Leroy Fur, Charlie Austin's pretty impressive and was with, was with them last season as well. Um, so they've got a bit of youth in its side, but it's just it does remind me a lot of their um, previous season in the Premier League where they did load up on those older players who just didn't really do it for them in the end. Joey Barton in midfield just doesn't look that impressive, and he seems to think he's some wonder kid with uh, free kicks. It doesn't seem to work out. Well, at least they've got Cranshaw now who can take a couple. But um. yeah, it's, they're probably well, they're probably going to be relegated. I mean, if they finish above 17, well, they finish 17 for above, I'll be surprised. What's in, yeah, I was going to ask you actually, um, who who would your tips be for relegation at this stage? You're about seven games in, which is Almost, um, well, it's about a fifth of the season, 20%. Um, who, who's your tip for relegation? Oof, probably, well, I'll probably see Queen's Park Rangers and Burnley, they're going down. And I'm probably thinking Crystal Palace as well, either Crystal Palace or West Brom. It was interesting that you say Crystal Palace. What makes you, what makes you think Palace? <laughs> no, it's just, <laughs> yeah, probably, yeah, probably, no, probably what they did last year. It's, could conceivably be a one-off. I mean, but again, they probably could survive. I mean, I reckon a lot of teams will be, well, they'll be Queen's Park Rangers and Burnley. They'll definitely, they'll most likely be relegated, but above that, there'll be quite a bit of a logjam between 18th place and 10th place. I mean, I mean, a lot of the teams do look kind of shaky at the back. Well, it's just interesting the way the season's shaping up that there's, there is that huge logjam already because... Obviously, last season, in almost an unprecedented way, there was just so many sides that could have been relegated right up until you know the last couple of weeks. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if that repeats this season or even to a greater extent, because uh, there's a lot of sides that are looking shaky. I mean, even even sides like Stoke and Sunderland, West Brom, Newcastle, even um, 
it'll be interesting to see how they go and whether Leicester can continue their early season form as well because they've started the season brightly, but you can run they've out of pass pretty quickly. Yeah, they've conceded quite a few goals and, again, there's only so much times that your one strategy will work before teams will suss it out. I mean, you expect Chelsea, City, Manchester City, Manchester United, Spurs, Arsenal, Liverpool. You'd expect Devlin to solidate and just push up eventually create the top seven in the rest. Yeah. We'll be interesting to see how Swansea go because um, they're the way they've started the season, at least, they're looking very comfortable. And they're not a sort of side where I, I could see, as you say about Leicester, where, people, where teams will figure them out. Swansea aren't that sort of side where that could suddenly turn their results. I think last season's kind of deceived us in the sense that they struggled with Europa, so that saw their league position dip. But the previous season, they were looking pretty decent. I think they finished top ten. Uh, so I could probably see them doing it again. Yep. Um, so we've got the international break this weekend. And just before we sign off for the night, I just wanted to <laughs> ask you, what games are you keeping an eye out on over the weekend? What, what's caught your eye? Well, again, probably the Australia games. I mean, Australian. We are Australian. <laughs> yeah. Probably, I don't know, probably might watch the Germans or the Dutch play. Um, again, also important to watch the A-League as well, which is back on. Well, I was going to say I'm quite excited that the A-League's starting up because I'll be getting along to the Sydney FC and Melbourne City game on the weekend to watch the former Hull City captain Robert Corrin run out. Uh, so not David Villar? Oh, well, apparently he might be on the bench to start with, which would be pretty disappointing. It's his only game in Sydney, so hopefully he uh, gives the fans their money's worth. Yep. And, uh, and I couldn't actually find a decent dive for this week's fell on the floor. Oh, yeah. There wasn't one. I couldn't find a decent was, one to find. Oh, I, saw, I saw last night, um, oh, I can't remember what it was. It was a, it was a championship game, I think. Uh, there was a guy that absolutely killed it on the floor. I'll see if I can dig up the YouTube clip and I'll post it on the board. Uh, but it was absolutely hilarious to watch. So um, I think that would definitely take it out this week if I can find it. Um, as, so, uh, sorry? What we're going to do, what we're going to do, I can't find one. So we'll have a retrospective one. Ashley right. Young, you're in the book. <laughs> oh, Ashley Young, where do you start? There's so many to pick from. That's just only the first one. There's plenty more, but... <laughs> um, probably, yeah. Well, you're saying that you'll keep an eye on the Germany games. I think they're playing um, Ireland in the second of their games, which I'll be very keenly watching as a bit part Irish fan and all their whole city players in the squad. And I did actually want to make a note. I mentioned it on the board... Um, Brian Lenihan, who's, I think he's 20 years old, and he's, he hasn't played a senior game for us yet. He's just transferred over from Cork City. Uh, he's a right-back for Ireland, and with Seamus Coleman out injured, they've actually called him up to the squad and is in line to play against um, Gibraltar, I think, and potentially Germany, depending on how he goes against Gibraltar. So um, that could be an interesting one to keep an eye out for, because I don't think we've ever had a player who um, hasn't played a game for us but's in the international side. So I'll, I'll definitely be keeping an eye out for that. But, uh, a quick prediction on that game. How many litres of beer do you reckon will be drunk? In the Germany-Ireland game? Yes. Oh, oh there's going to be a lot of beer drunk for that one. And hopefully the uh, festivities stay quite merry and, and happy and nothing turns sour. But And the plumbing works? And the plumbing, absolutely, and the plumbing works. Um, do you know if it's a, it's a home game for Germany or would it be... Um, in Ireland, just having a look here. I think it's in Germany, so that would be quite an interesting one. Obviously, you'd expect Germany to win that one, but from memory last time out, they struggled a little bit against Scotland. I think Scotland scored against them, actually. Gave them a bit of a scare. Yeah, it was like a last gasp winner or something like that. Yeah, I believe so. So, um, 
No, I'll be keeping an eye on that one as well. So um, we'll have to see how they go. Uh, were there any closing thoughts from you before we sign off? Well, there is probably some... Well, I mean, Cristiano Ronaldo, really. I mean, was it like 20... Ridiculous, like, was it 14 goals already? Yep. And it's just October, so he's on right to score. Let's just do some quick maths. Quite a lot of goals. <laughs> we'll have to see how it goes. Yeah, he's, he's started in some pretty incredible form. Um, but we'll be back next week to preview the next round of games in the EPL. Uh, but until then, thank you all for listening, and thanks for coming along tonight, Cookson. It's just a two-man band tonight, but I think we pulled it off pretty well. No worries. And I'll see you next week, and to everyone else, I'll see you on the forums.